but I feel nowadays the organizations have such a critical role in supporting individuals and even changing some of those performance goals internally to align with what's happening in the world. And then you see movements like B Corp, for instance, and it takes brave leaders um, and brave organizations to start changing the system, not only to create a well-being for culture internally, but to actually fulfill that role outside the organization to create that well-being economy that, you know, people, planet, animals, they all thrive in this complex system and crazy planet and precious planet we've got. Welcome back to the Igniting Change and Transforming Cultures podcast. My name's Sean Jones, and this week I'm riding solo without Katya, but you'll be hearing from Katya in later episodes. This week, we're introducing a new format for our podcasts, where we interview members of the New 21 team about a topic that they are passionate about. Kicking things off is Bia Afonso, who currently leads our consulting hub at New 21. Bia is one of my favorite people, and not just because she's a wonderful, warm and intelligent human being, but also because I never leave a conversation with Bia without feeling challenged to be a better person in some way, shape or form. Welcome Bia. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me in the new 21 podcast. So Bia, I invited you on the show because you've recently been featured in Ausbiz magazine in an article where you wrote about why organisations are failing at wellbeing and how they mm-hmm. can do better. And I'm really interested and I think our listeners will be interested in why you chose to write on this topic. Yeah, good question. Um, so wellbeing has been a topic close to my heart for a long time. Um, I think it was 2000 and I don't know, maybe 2013, 14, that I completed a health coaching, an international health coaching course, one hosted um, by IIN, so Integrative, um, International Integrative Nutrition um, in the US. And from there, it was all about health. So it wasn't as holistic as to like um, talking about well-being. Um, but then it kind of sparked my interest in researching a little bit more about well-being as well. Um, at the time, it was my hobby to exercise and cook healthy and find healthy recipes and keep myself really fit. Um, and for me, well-being was that, was just literally health. Um, and a lot of times people actually have this association that they use the as if they're the same so they might say well-being one day and they might say health the other day or wellness um, you know to to refer to the same thing so from there um, I had just started an online program in Brazil so I'm from Brazil originally and started helping people to exercise and be, be healthier at home At the time I was doing the same health coaching course, I also uh, became a personal trainer and a Pilates instructor. So everything was coming around that theme of health and wellness. And then I started noticing there were a lot of influences and a lot of people in that same health and wellness space 
that um, really just focus on the bodies. And that really annoyed me. So I was really like, of course, we all want to have a healthy, strong, beautiful body. Um, and I don't blame anyone for wanting that. But there was this obsessive culture with the perfect body. And that really wasn't my intention. And then I started talking about it with, you know, people who were buying my programs and following me. Um, and I think it became my signature over there that Bia wasn't someone, um, you know, just focusing on, on the great body, but also what goes around it. So what are the key other things that you have to do to have a great life? So I started researching um, and then I got involved more with facilitation and consulting here in Australia. And at the same time, I started participating in some forums um, around positive psychology and positive psychology is really well known for uh, the PERMA model, which is a well-being theory that has been developed um, by the positive psychologist Martin Seligman in the US from the University um, of from Morton. Um, in the US. So I got more involved. I actually made some really beautiful connections in Melbourne, um, people who are positive psychologists here. And then I started understanding more about, you know, health is not the only thing. And I kind of had that intuition and that feeling, and I knew it was more than that. And then I started studying, you know, what is belonging at work? How do you feel a sense of belonging? Um, how do positive emotions impact you know, how you feel every day, um, how having a purpose will impact how you actually show up in life and thrive. So I think that was a journey from, you know, just focusing on health and wellness to really understanding well-being, which is way more holistic and complete. And there is a whole theory behind it versus just um, going for, you know, the your health and the perfect body. Yeah. I hope that answered the question. <laughs> Yes. Well, no, absolutely. I think it, I think it did. And um, in, in the article, you also, and I think what you were talking about demonstrates this, you talk a little bit about the concept of well-being light and well-being full. And listening to yeah. you there, I think feel like that concept of, oh, well, I'm going to eat healthy and go to the gym to get that perfect body um, yeah. and um, have that sort of temporary feeling of I'm really healthy. Um, is that well-being light? concept yeah. um, and then the well-being full is that more holistic inner health um, purpose as you were describing um, how does that work in an organizational setting that concept of well-being like and well-being full yeah and it's interesting that you already drew that parallel as well which you know it wasn't even my intention in the article but I think it's beautiful that you know there is that transition from thinking well-being was just about health and wellness to now being something you know a little bit deeper um, but I think in organizations um, that well-being light it is only focusing not necessarily on the on the perfect body because the organizations you know that don't care how you look um, but it, it's more about your health and there is a special focus on your mental health which I think it's lovely and I think it's very much needed so I'm not um, I guess judging that but I think there is a transition and someone, I think, even commented on the article, someone I respect, and he's a futurist, Soheil, and he said, oh, I can see a continuum here from well-being light to well-being full to a well-being economy, as you put in your article. And, and, and it is true, because well-being light is just when you offer some additional things or perks 
to your employees. So you might go to a really cool organization that offers you yoga classes and meditation group sessions or meditation passes, or you might have an allowance um, to spend at the gym. In the US, you might, have, you might have your health insurance covered by your organization. And in Brazil, actually, that's pretty common as well. And I think this is all incredible. So I, I please do not think that I don't think this is necessary. But I also think this is a foundation. I think this is a given. Um, and I'm not saying the yoga classes are given. Um, because you can actually build really strong mental health without going to yoga. So, you know, this is actually a perk. And I believe that work can be meaningful um, and drive a sense of purpose without perks. But I think the basic things of the, your EAP services, you know, you have access to speak to someone if you're struggling. Um, there is a focus on mental health and perhaps mental health days. And, you know, people acknowledge that you are you actually might have a, a bad day and you, you're not showing up to work. So all those little things that, you know, used to be like, wow, this organization has this. Now it, it is a given. So I call this the well-being light. And I play a little bit with that on the yoga classes and the meditation and all those little perks because organizations say, well, we, we look after you because we give you, um, you know, those classes. But then um, on the other hand, they might not be supporting that individual go through, you know, a very tough time in the organization, or they might not actually help individuals, um, you know, prioritize their work or go through the system of the organization without feeling overwhelmed. So I'll overwhelm you over here with all the work and the stress, and I'm not going to give you the support system. But at the same time, I offer you the perks um, so that you can actually use those little meditation classes and etc. But if you're overwhelmed here with this well-being light environment, you don't have the time to actually go to the yoga class. You're not going to stop at 12.30 in the afternoon to actually do that, even if it's via Zoom or face-to-face -face and et cetera. So I think even those perks become expensive perks for organizations that I don't think it's actually, you know, they don't get fully used uh, by employees, especially in those organizations that the system, and when I say the system is like all those um, I guess, areas within the organization that make up that system, that complex system. So if I'm overwhelmed, feeling stressed, my boss is chasing me, I don't feel resilient, I feel like I'm actually burning out, I'm working long hours, I need to show up to meetings and meetings because there's no real operating rhythm for the organization. There's no appreciation of me as a human um, uh, beyond work. Um, you know, I'm not going to take on all those classes because you know it's a thing that it's going to add an extra a burden in my calendar it's not going to be seen as a relief so this is what i call well-being light is putting hashtag well-being in the workplace or showing employees doing a, you know a class outside outdoors with your green juices uh, and putting hashtag green juice uh, for me that's well-being light is really just giving you the add-ons that don't really fix the real problem yeah, it's it's interesting as you were talking there, it reminded me of a concept that came out, well, I guess in the past decade around innovation theatre of people sticking some yeah. post-it notes up on a wall, having a workshop, inviting employees to a special ideation mm -hmm. session and 
saying that they're innovating and that became known as innovation theatre and I, I think Very what you described is like well-being theatre um, yeah. where that sort of tokenism um, but not yeah. looking at the deeper problems that exist. Absolutely. So, Bea, if, if I'm a CEO or an HR director listening to this and I'm sitting here nodding my head and thinking, yep, yeah, mm. this, this is exactly what we are doing, well-being light, and I recognise mm -hmm. we need to be doing um, well-being full, you know, this is the focus yeah. we should be having, what would yeah. you suggest would be the first step? Mm. Um, there are a few things, but first, you need to have a really strong uh, people and culture, um, I guess, department or team, and one that is incentivized and well-trained to look into this. And um, I think the people and culture space is central, is the bloodline of the organization for looking after all of these things. So when I say that they are not trained today, it's not because I don't believe in their potential. It's because our culture really doesn't incentivize that. So um, you need uh, people in culture, individuals who are there to look after the, you know, the well-being, um, I guess, practices of your organization, but also to investigate your system with you. Um, I do not think well-being should belong only in people in culture. So I think everyone should own that, including individuals. I think we should call out and ask for help when we need. But I think it can start with the people in culture team. Um, I think having support from, you know, from those individuals who are trained in positive psychology or have an understanding, you don't need to be formally trained, but understand that um, well-being goes way beyond the perks and understand it's about positive emotions, engagement, your positive relationships, meaning accomplishment in life, as well as health. Um, I think that's a good start, um, as well as really understanding that what actually drives meaning, which is one of those components within the PERMA theory by Martin Seligman, um, actually it's challenging work and, and a really good environment for the individuals. So I love, I think there is a quote by Patty McCord. She used to be the chief talent officer at Netflix and she's got a book as well, which is lovely. It just Hopefully you can put the, the notes for this book because I completely forgot the name now. Um, right. we, we but she, we'll put the notes that. Um, but she talks about, you know, you don't need the beanbags and you don't need, you know, the, the lunches every day for your employees. You just need to give them challenging work. And I thought this was incredible because if you give them meaning, a sense of purpose, um, if you design your system for a culture of belonging, you know, um, psychological safety, uh, great relationships at work. Um, you give them challenging work that will make them engaged at work and, and having that sense of accomplishment. Um, you're going to get a really great culture and individuals who are showing up fully. Um, of course, there's way more to that um, as well, including development. And we know at New 21, we focus on that full development um, of the human being instead of just learning and development and skilling up. But start with your people and culture team, have a really strong team there, um, I guess, to have that understanding of what well-being truly is um, and start nudging your system. Um, I think I mentioned, even I shared the article the other day on my LinkedIn, and I think, you know, you need to start inspecting your system, your organization. 
So what are the things getting in the way of your employees? What's preventing them from doing the best work of their lives? And you might get a few clues as to what's preventing them from experiencing a sense of well-being uh, within the organization, asking them as well. And if you start unblocking some of those constraints, you know, it might be that, you know, there is poor leadership because um, the leaders in your organization, you know, they don't really understand how to actually look after your your people in a progressive 21st century way um, and with well-being first of mind. Um, you might need to do a little bit of investing in changing their paradigm in the organization as well to really focus on how those leaders show up and how they care and support your people. Um, so it might be, there might be a number of, um, I guess, roadblocks in your organization that you might need to unblock. Um, but if you have that good team, um, a good understanding of well-being, and you start inspecting the system, talking to your people to see what's getting in the way, that's a really good start. And of course, the yoga classes and all of these, they might still be lovely, um, but it's not what's going to give you the well-being for, um, I guess, organization and culture. Great. And Bia, what if we were to flip it, um, someone's listening and you know if they're not at that executive level um mm -hmm. but they do f have this sense that they want well-being full um mm -hmm. what personal responsibility can somebody take to move from well-being light to well-being full yeah i think there are a few things for you to i guess um look for as well so how can you actually find meaning in your work? And maybe that organization you're working for might, you know, might not be the right one for you. Um, what is purpose for you? What is your purpose and why you're here in this world and why you're doing what you're doing at work? Um, what actually gives you that sense of flow? You know, when time stops and you're in flow with music or you're in flow with writing or whatever it is that you do start investigating and looking inward to understand what actually makes you happy. And I use happy in a, I get it, I guess in an inverted comma way, because happiness um, can be described as, as this fleeting moment. So I guess happiness um, can be the combination of a few things in that PERMA um, model, which is positive emotions, engagement and um, meaning. But you know, what makes you happy, what actually gives you purpose and start taking responsibility for your own well-being and identifying where you actually belong. Um, but doing everything you can and perhaps calling it out if you can uh, within your organisation, that there are a few areas that need to be changed or revamped or completely transformed for you and your peers and your team to actually, um, I guess, engage in that well-being for space beautiful that's beautiful and um finally to wrap things up i know there's one concept that you're um very passionate about um and you touch on it <laughs> I know in, the, in the article but i want i want to understand more and let our listeners understand more about the the well-being economy yeah well the well-being economy um i don't have it in front of me but the definition is all about putting the communities at the center so it's almost a human-centered approach to um, our society, really. Um, and 
I've, I've been doing a lot of research and a lot of thinking about that. And what triggered me even to think about the well-being light and full was the book called This One Wild and Precious Life by Sarah Wilson. And she talks about these, you know, the massive complexities we are facing today with, you know, um, pandemic and climate change. Um, and I guess an epidemic of loneliness and the lack of connection. And she, she actually terms connection light um, as, you know, the, the skinny fat milk, you know, type of connection versus a, full, a life full of connection, which is the real deep connections you, you have in life, which she calls the full fat connection. So I thought those two concepts were interesting. But I think, you know, the well-being economy is an understanding by organizations um, and all stakeholders and all individuals in this planet that we are serving, you know, the people and the planet as well. But the well-being economy puts people at the center. And I truly believe that if people actually are feeling better, um, are happy and finding meaning in their lives, then, you know, they enjoy going to work and they're spending quality time with family and friends and co-workers. Um, they're not feeling miserable. Um, and if, you know, we can align our, you know, performance as countries and organizations with the sustainable development goals by the United Nations, I think we can, you know, actually promote this well-being economy. So from well-being in your individual life and how you claim well-being and how you show up in your life to well-being for in your organization, meaning the organization actually has a responsibility for um, its people um, and in revamping the system to create well-being for. And this organization playing a critical part in actually enabling a well-being economy as well as government. So I'm not saying the governments, uh, governments can't do anything or um, it's all about the organizations. But I feel nowadays the organizations have such a critical role in supporting individuals and even changing some of those performance goals internally to align with what's happening in the world. And then you see movements like B Corp for instance, and it takes brave leaders um, and brave organizations to start changing the system, not only to create a well-being full culture internally, but to actually fulfill their role outside the organization to create that well-being economy that, you know, people, planet, animals, they all thrive in this complex system and crazy planet and precious planet we've got. So, I mean, I'm sure I didn't give justice to the term well-being economy, but that's my interpretation of it. And there's a lot of resources online too. Fantastic. Well, we might include some of those resources in our mm. notes. You've mentioned a couple of books there, and we're also okay. going to put a link to your article for Ausbiz magazine in the notes as well. Now, Bea, we are going to wrap it up here. I could talk to you about this for ages, but this is deliberately a quick and snappy segment. So thank you so much for joining us today and I hope our listeners enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for having me. Well, that marks the end of another New 21 podcast episode. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you'll join us next time when we interview another extraordinary change maker. To make sure you don't miss the episode, click the subscribe button now. And if you're interested in learning more about New 21, 
and perhaps reading some of our blogs on igniting change and transforming cultures, please check out our website at www.new21.com. That's N-E-U-2-1. Or follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook. We look forward to seeing you next time.